Um, uh, now that we've had that great intro, I'm Aaron. <laughs> this is Decentralized Revolution. You guys know Brandy. She's been uh, our co-host for the last couple episodes. And uh, we're really pleased to have uh, Clint Russell from Liberty Lockdown on. I finally got to meet you in person at the Nashville Take Human Action Tour event and uh, really appreciated uh, your help on that. And uh, I'm thanks for helping us out tonight. Uh, it's good to see you again, Clint. Yeah, my pleasure, man. I uh, just got back from New Jersey. I've been traveling basically every week all year, it feels like, um, which is weird since I retired three years ago. Now I never stop moving. Yeah, so I think a lot of people kind of know your story, but what uh, what did you retire from and why have you been traveling so much here lately? I ran a private mortgage fund, um, like owner-operator, and uh, and it was great and I loved it. And then the lockdowns happened and they ruined my life. And I was like, I'm going to tear this government down. So <laughs> that's my origin story, like a superhero <laughs> rising from the ashes or yeah, supervillain, yeah. depending on your perspective. Yeah. I heard uh, another person, I can't go into the details, but uh, a lot of people, their lives kind of took a, a dive during COVID. Um, and for this person, some, some really good stuff started happening. And you're, you're another example of that, that I, I think that things were like you said, going fine, but uh, at a time when a lot of people were kind of hunkering down or or going insane, you you started building the podcast, and uh, I enjoy it, and I know a lot of other people do. So, um, what why do you think uh, why do you think you've had such a, a good run of it here? Uh, I'm passionate as hell. I think that that shines through. I think people can feel that. I think that people are sick of you know curated conversations or scripts or any of that and um you know i'll i'll lay out a profanity lace tirade at the drop of a hat and i think people appreciate that i'm filled with endless rage towards the government um and i think that libertarians vibe with that pretty well yep. and then i don't know i just uh, i love what i do and i think that 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 shines through too so I think those are the the ingredients that have helped me be successful and then on top of that I'm I'm pretty good at networking and and uh you know a lot of my heroes have you know taken me under their wing and had me on their shows and let people know know about me and I think that's that's been the the secret ingredients. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, you get to talk to Judge Knapp a lot too. What's that what's that like? How, how, it's great. Did you, did you how did do you have you talked to him off the air like how did you get that oh, yeah. connect? Uh, yeah, he, it was actually his producer that reached out to me and they said that, um, they liked what I was doing and he wanted to do a 20 minute hit on my show every week, a hit just being a short term interview or a short length interview. Um, uh, and I was like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. Judge Nav wants to do a, a, a hit on Liberty Lockdown once a week. Like this is unbelievable. Um, so I immediately said yes. And unfortunately, you know, because I've been traveling so much, um, we haven't been able to do it weekly like we used to, but. Uh, we try and still do it, you know, once or twice a month and he's awesome. I mean, he's, he's very supportive. Um, always seems to really enjoy coming on the show. It doesn't ever seem like I'm, you know, putting him out to do so. And, uh, I'm really grateful for that. I'm also really grateful, grateful for the success that his, uh, show judging freedom has had. It's just exploded in popularity. Uh, his interviews with Colonel Douglas McGregor have been incredibly eye opening as to, the the counter narrative on the uh the ukraine war so it's 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 totally surreal i mean like he yeah. for me when i was in my 20s and he was doing um 
I forget the name of the show, but it, it was on Fox News for like five years, and it was like the only libertarian I got to hear right. from, and uh, and now to be like personal friends with him is just surreal. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's he's great. I uh, I sometimes back in the day you would see him on TV and he'd go off on something and you expected somebody to come from the side of the stage with like the shepherd's hook to For like real. pull him off. It's like I can't believe he's actually say, saying well, they, this stuff. They did eventually. <laughs> they finally realized like, oh, this guy actually believes in the Constitution. We got to get him off the air. Yeah, yeah. Were you always a libertarian, Glenn? Yeah, second always? gen. Um, second I think- gen. Damn. Yeah, my my dad my dad discovered um, I think it was Rothbard, uh, but I could be wrong. In the I, I know Harry Brown was one of the first books I ever read, you know, political leaning, and that was at my dad's direction. Um, I think it was how I found freedom in an unfree world, and yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, this this vibes with me on a on a spiritual level. Um, so I've Man. been been this way for a very long time. Harry Harry Brown was so great, like the whole like. Uh, he did a lot of great things, but my favorite thing about him still was uh, his the column he wrote on September twelfth. Basically, um, he just like completely. It was just like something Scott Horton uh, uh, would have written. Absolutely, um, uh, and he, to do that at a time when you know, I remember I actually kind of went through. It actually coincided with a uh, um, <laughs> some uh, mental illness uh, issues in my time, but I kind of was a libertarian when I was like 17. And then I kind of had took a neocon detour for a couple of years, uh, kind of prompted by nine 11 partly. And if you just remember what it was like back then, like, to, to say anything, anything counter to the narrative was just like took in, an incredible amount of courage. And he just like, like he got death threats and all kinds of stuff from, from this well, He column. did it on September 12th. I mean, that, the, guy, the guy's incredibly courageous. That, I'm that, sorry, go ahead. No, I, that's the, that's the exact point to like, to do it right then when everybody is still like wondering, like, you know, I think they had us all pretty scared of thinking that, you know, that, you know, we can't go to the mall because they're going to bomb that or something like people are actually physically scared for themselves of course at that time. And, and he just, uh, he just, yeah. So I I really wish we had, uh, more guys like that. I I think that, but I think we do have guys like that. We got you, we got Scott, Dr. Paul is still out there. We got judge Knapp. We got Dave, Dave, Tom, everybody. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I certainly wouldn't put myself in his camp, but um, I, I wouldn't you know, either starting. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but starting a show, uh, you know, called Liberty lockdown one month into the lockdowns. I think that that was, yeah. you know, my version of that, where I was like, I am going to yeah. tell you off jump. Like I oppose this and I don't care if it offends you. And if you're scared of this airborne pathogen, like my freedom and my Liberty matters more than your fear and, yeah. and your freedom matters more than your fear too, whether you know it or not. And, and I think that that, just to go back to your original question of why my show was successful, I think that's partially why, because it was yeah. like, this was a, um, this was a lane that no one was really willing to fill in that, in that window. Like everyone was scared to death. And I was like, no, no, we can't, we can't have lockdowns ever. Yeah. Never, 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 never. Yeah. So what's, uh, you're passionately hate the government. What's, uh, what are you most passionately hating them about, uh, this week? This week, I mean, every week since the war in Ukraine started, it's been the war in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that they continue to fund that and and foment it, and the fact that they've been fomenting it for at least at least ten years. Uh, I think, by my analysis, probably closer to twenty. And if you include NATO expansion, thirty-one years. Uh, yeah. They've been going at it. So, 
Um, you know, that, that to me is the biggest concern. Uh, but I think in terms of like topical issues that have had me most upset with the government, it's been the, the FBI and their, you know, disparate treatment of people when it comes to prosecutions, uh, the Bidens and the Trump family come to mind, obviously, but on the more, you know, meaningful level to the average person, um, you know, labeling people that Betsy Ross flag flying, uh, you know, <laughs> like libertarian uh, iconography is now uh, domestic terrorist paraphernalia. I mean, though these types of um, you know changes in protocol are are chilling, and they're intentionally chilling. Like they're yeah. trying to get us to shut up about our beliefs and stop talking about them and to go away. Yeah. And uh, for that reason, I will be louder and louder and louder and louder until they put me in a cage. Yeah, it's it's really there's a few things in there like you talk about the trump biden stuff and like you hear um uh both you know the last time trump got indicted and then this time it's like you, you hear a montage of people oh no nobody's above the law well uh, they're all above the law i mean like hillary clinton's above the law uh, uh george w bush i think he still doesn't travel outside the united states because he knows he runs a chance of getting arrested uh, in certain places, but like in here, he's safe. Like he committed all kinds of war crimes. Obama did too. Like all of these people, the, the very worst stuff they do, they get away with it. They are above the law. And for some of the things Trump did that maybe we would want to prosecute him uh, over something like Yemen, uh, you know, I, I, I he, did some stuff in Syria. I don't know, but like uh, certainly continuing the war in Yemen. Yes, he should not be above the law for that, but he is, but this, so you have this thing where they're prosecuting him, prosecuting him clearly on anything they can because he is the front runner for in the next election. And so we're all thinking about this and the right is now saying, Hey, but what about Biden? And they have a point. But what I think you were getting at is um, that that same justice system, the FBI, Justice Department, and then the back of them, well, CIA is not supposed to do domestic stuff, but of course they do. But like all of that intelligence stuff is being used against people like us. Like I remember it was like January 6th. Was it after January 6th when, um, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Not Clapper. Um the 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 guy who used to be a communist who was at the CIA, oh Brennan, yeah Brennan, who uh, uh, listed all these people and was like oh even libertarians who are enemies yep. of the country, oh, yeah. so like yeah. we are on the list for all of these things because we have certain beliefs and I I the the people who are like protesting like the Target gay stuff are being labeled economic terrorists and stuff like that. And right. I think that's really where it is, is it's people who have any sort of divergent view that is in any sort of way pro-liberty, even conservatives who are not that great on some things, they are being, um, there's a list. And, and, and if there's a list, that means that somebody can one day give an order to go get the people on that list. Well, they, they are getting some of those people. I mean, you've had many arrests um, based off those investigations, including the Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case, which was, as far as I can tell, just a whole cloth fiction, um, you know, more informants involved than actual participants in the plot, which yeah. was never actionable and never had any way of, of uh, occurring. I mean, it, 
on top of that, you also have the the school meetings where you have um, you know parents which are concerned about either masking their their children or the curriculum when it comes to you know kind of a sexual progressivism ideology, and they're being you know labeled as potential domestic extremists and being investigated and spied upon. Uh, all of this is unforgivable, and yep. and it ultimately is and it should be a catalyst for the abolition of the fbi as well as the cia if you want to go into the ukraine war aspect of this um so i personally i'm grateful that we're on that list put me on that list i i was born an enemy of this state i will die one and that's fine by me i want every libertarian to understand if you value freedom you are an enemy of this state not every state but this one in particular you are absolutely an enemy of this state because they don't want you to be free they don't, and they don't think that you should be free, and they don't think you are free, and guess what? They're kind of right. You're not actually free right now. So, um, yeah, didn't surprise me, uh, but I was glad that he had the balls to say it. Yeah, uh, so, like, has there been anything here recently um, on that front um, that uh, as far as, like, uh, uh, I, you know, you mentioned the school board stuff that that was, like, last year or whatever, but, like, I think there's – if you look, there's probably all kinds of different uh, I mean, stuff. Yeah, lately the, uh, I mean, Kyle Serafin, who's been on my show, he was an FBI agent who whistle blew about all this stuff. Like he's mm-hmm. responsible for almost all of these disclosures. He's been uh, a godsend, honestly. And that's, you know, it's hard for me to say that about an FBI agent, but he's been amazing. Uh, him and Steve Friend are both FBI agent whistleblowers and they've both been on my show and they're both just really awesome human beings that actually believe in the Constitution and they saw what was happening and they decided to, you know, speak out against it. And because of that, their lives have been, uh, you know, if not ruined, certainly attacked from every angle imaginable. Um, so to answer your question, I don't know what the latest and greatest is. Uh, most of their, I mean, they're doing like hearings right now with Congress and, and I know that, um, Steve testified. Uh, so, I, I don't have any faith that the GOP is going to do what needs to be done. I think that the the debt ceiling uh, debate should have been used as leverage to defund the FBI. Mm-hmm. I'm not at all surprised that they didn't do so, but that was the leverage moment. And uh, I, for one, am disappointed in Thomas Massey for not uh, standing strong in that moment and, and using it as an opportunity to do something really special. And I know, I know his his argument for it. And I still love Thomas Massey. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that you have, you, when you have that kind of leverage, you have to use it. And he didn't. So, so I, I didn't hear about this. I didn't know what opportunity he had. The last I heard on Massey, he was saying something about, uh, uh, the banks, uh, something came out in some of those hearings that banks were sharing private info yeah, with Bank the FBI America. or something. Okay. So yeah. like what, what opportunity did he have? I know that in the Senate, like people like Rand has more ability to hold things up than a single congressman does. But what, what did Massey? Well, he voted for the, he voted for the debt. Uh, oh, he ceiling. did. Yeah. Increase. And, and the reason uh, he said, this was the first time that there was ever any cuts in any budget that he ever got to vote on. And I was oh. like, that's not good enough, Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> that's just simply not good enough. Um, so I understand his logic. I just respectfully disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, well, let me, let me let the audience know if they haven't heard, though. Bank of America had been reporting uh, gun purchase uh, transaction info to the FBI without any sort of 
uh, legal order to do so. They were just asked and they turned it over to the effing FBI for your gun purchases. They, they are absolutely your enemy and you should be closing all Bank of America accounts. I cannot believe... I mean, the fact that they would do it even with a legal order is infuriating because as far as I'm concerned, that's unconstitutional. Yeah. But to do it without a legal order, these people hate you. I mean, right. they're scum of the earth. Was so, that all Bank of America accounts? or? I, I don't know if it was all, but it was many. Like, So I, I would imagine I that it was tied to January 6th, if oh. I had to guess. That yeah. kind of... Like the Gavin Newsom thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should get into that uh, here in a bit. The Gavin Newsom's. Uh, I'm always uh, ready for a Gavin Newsom rant. Tw- I, don't, 20... I don't even know what you're talking about. But I'm oh, okay, down. okay. If you don't know what we're talking American about, American Psycho. That, Bra- it does. It doesn't he look like? Uh, Do you want to? Yeah, um, <laughs> like the exact same. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> uh, so he proposed. Uh, actually, Brandy, we should just play this for him, and let um, let Clint see it since he doesn't know what it is. I'm going to add this up here. Um, can you go ahead and roll it, Brady? Yeah. And if you if you can't hear it, once Every it starts- time, it's the same. They tell us we can't stop these massacres. They tell us we have to stand by and watch tragedy after tragedy unfold in our communities. They say we can't stop domestic terrorism without violating the Second Amendment. And the thoughts and prayers are the best we can do. I'm here to say that's a lie. In this country, we do have the power, the power to change things, to reclaim our freedom from fear. Our ability to make a more perfect union is literally written into the Constitution. So today, I'm proposing the 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution to do just that. The 28th Amendment permanently enshrines four additions to the laws of our land. It raises the minimum age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21. Because if you can't buy a beer, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. It (laughs) mandates universal background checks to prevent truly dangerous people from purchasing a gun that can be used in a crime. It institutes reasonable waiting periods for all gun purchases, and it bans civilians from buying assault rifles. Those weapons of war our founding fathers never foresaw. This will guarantee states as well the ability to enact common sense gun safety laws while leaving the Second Amendment intact and respecting (laughs) America's gun-owning tradition. The 28th locks in the common-sense constitutional protections that Democrats, Republicans, independents, and gun owners overwhelmingly support. And it ensures NRA-owned politicians can never strip those protections away. This fight won't be easy, and it certainly won't be fast. Convening a constitutional convention requires two-thirds of the states to call for this. California will be the first. But that's just the beginning. Join us by going to campaignfordemocracy.com and signing the petition. To protect our communities and protect our freedom, support the 28th. (laughs) All right, Clint. Orwell Orwell didn't dream big enough. (laughs) To protect our freedoms, we must ban guns. God, I hate that guy. He is, he is honest, honest to God, he's one of the most dangerous living human beings. Like, he is absolutely awful. He just uh, looks for, like he beats hookers for fun. That's literally what he looks like to He me. does. Like, he's I got would, that look. I, I, would put, I would put my entire life savings on the fact that that dude has just hookers buried under his mansion. Um, no, he pays for it, definitely. You can tell. You can no, tell yeah, he, he buys so. them, and then he beats the shit out of them. Right, and, yeah. Th- th- yeah. That's part he of does. it. He does. He does. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, let's let's just 
add to I mean how obscene it is that you can enlist and go and fight and die for your country at 18, but he doesn't want you to be able to own a gun at 21. It's like, what? it's just so arbitrary. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obvious that there's so many things in there that the, the first rejoinder is that, oh, you can buy beer. Well, you, you should be able to buy a beer when you're 18. I mean, I agree. obviously, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous if not 16, but like, come on. Uh, it, it's, um, but the, I think the key thing in there. The, the the key phrase was, but that's just, this is just the beginning, which what he's, he's not just proposing a constitutional amendment. It's a constitutional convention, which I have always been, um, you know, as someone who's been in the libertarian before that conservative movement, you know, as a Reagan, uh, my parents were Reagan Democrats and um, through high school, I was a Rush Limbaugh guy. So hey, what's well, a you, Reagan Democrat? I didn't know oh, there was guys, a Reagan Democrat. Oh, okay, you guys are too young to know what Reagan <laughs> Democrat was. My mom was a Reagan Republican. I, okay, I don't <laughs> okay. So people from the South uh, traditionally were white people from the South were traditionally Democrats after the Civil War because of the Civil War, and so my family is from Eastern Kentucky and East Tennessee, working class. Um, they all voted Democrat, right? But there was a thing called Reagan Democrats where a lot of people who were working class uh, who had voted a Democrat because they were union or because they were Southern for a long time, especially the union side, which my dad was a, you know, worked at GM. So like he, a lot of those people because of Reagan's, like not only the social conservatism, but the fiscal stuff and being like, you know, what Reagan was, a lot of those people switched over to Republican because of Reagan. So that's what a Reagan Democrat is, is those union guys, Southerners who became Republicans and conservatives in, in basically in 1980, basically. Um, so for someone who's been in the conservative sort of side of things and then libertarian, when I read Rothbard at 17 or 18, a lot of people on our side of things will say, oh, we need to do a constitutional convention, right? And uh, go through and fix all these amendments. And I've, from day one, I've been like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They don't, they don't pay attention to and obey the amendments they have now. I mean, kind of the second amendment has kind of helped us stave off some stuff over the years, but the first amendment is trash. Like it, 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 they don't obey the things now. So what makes you think if we rewrite everything, they're going to, um, they're they going to obey that. But the real thing is, is all the, you have a constitutional convention where these idiots can just start putting stuff up from the floor. Do you think we're going to have anything like, no. um, healthcare will be a, up? will yeah. be a human right and guns will be banned. I, I have no interest in that unless right. it's to, you know, move towards secession because there's 30 of the States have decided that they're sick of the federal government being, you know, over encroaching into their, their decision-making yeah. processes. I like, I'd be fine with that, but we're nowhere near that. So I think that a uh, convention of the States would be a catastrophe personally. I mean, I hope I, I'm I just, wrong. <laughs> I don't know. No, that. I mean, of course it would be just like, just imagine like, I, I mean, first of all, me, I hate meetings of all kinds, but like 80 million we, people voted for Joe Biden, for God's <laughs> sakes, so you think we're going to prevail in a constitutional <laughs> convention? We're so screwed. Right. And, and with the, the, with the deep state and all the, uh, like again, they would. That would be the most highly orchestrated behind the scenes, foregone conclusion thing you've ever seen. 
um, if it actually did happen. And so, but that's, that's why he's putting it up there um, is to try to try to use, you know, an emotional issue for the left to, to get uh, an emotional connection for this thing. And so if he's successful, these people on the left are going to be parroting this, Hey, we need a constitutional convention thing. And I, I, I don't know. I think it's a smart play from his, from his, um, probably from his standpoint. successful in California though. Right. Like this will probably happen there. Cause he said first we're going to do it in California. So doesn't that mean it yeah. will probably most likely it's going to happen there. And well, I feel he's like- got, he's got a Democrat state and Senate, uh, in, or like house and Senate or whatever it's called in the state of California. Um, so yeah, like they can get it, but you have to have two thirds of the States like, it ain't going to happen. So it's just political, um, you know, maneuvering to probably to present on his presidential campaign. Hey, I'm pushing for this. I pushed for it as governor. You can trust that, like, I'm serious about this. Yeah. Uh, I've, I said this on Timcast on Monday. Like, I swear to God, I will leave this country if he becomes the president. Like, There's he is no he is way. so dangerous. Right? Yeah. There's no way he will. Right? Oh, it, uh, right? no. Well, like, come on. It, it, <laughs> I, I felt the same way about Joe Biden. I was like, there's no, come on. There's no way, right? No, but like, he's like, so we, I, I know a lot. Of, I came from the left and not a lot of people in the left. I feel like a lot of leftists, or not even leftists, I'm talking just like your average Democrat, like Joe Biden's like feels like that cushy, like basic Democrat. Like he's not in their mind. He's not like extremely leftist. He's not very, you know, he he just seems like basic old school Democrat, I think, for a lot of them. So I could yeah, see they're why wrong, a lot but of I can those, understand why, why yeah, they feel that way. Yeah. Why a lot of boomers would like think that because he's been in off. He's been like in office since what the 70s like yes yeah, yeah. before i was born since like 1970 they also like associate with him of obama i think and they all love obama he's like their golden child so i think that i could see that way more than gavin just because gavin is just i don't know he just has bad vibes like anyone, yeah. anyone massively with bad vibes but <laughs> joe, joe biden's going out kissing babies all over the place or kissing toddlers it's like i don't know i get some pretty bad vibes he also was responsible for putting so many uh, you know minorities in prison uh, also responsible for the True. Patriot Act and the War on Terror, like all these things that uh, allegedly the left is in opposition for, and 81 million of them voted for him. So, like, it's could true. Gavin win? Yeah, he could win. Well, not only that, here's my theory, and I've I've actually been saying this for uh, a few months now. So it's it's pretty clear the DNC that, you know, they've already said they're not going to have debates. So, you know, they're not going to let RFK or anyone else who, you know. Cornell West. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but he's doing the People's Party thing. But obviously, like, (laughs) they're not going to they're not going to have any debates. But this is my theory. And I think uh, it's more than a 50 percent chance that it'll happen. Biden will run. No other Democrat people will run other than RFK and a couple, you know, wingnuts like Marion Williamson or whatever. They will have the primaries. They will get to the convention and they will nominate. Biden and Harris and then like after the convention Biden is going to get sick and then they can the party can then swap him out uh so after the nominating thing uh, I'm I've looked this up I'm pretty sure that the DNC can basically just say hey we're now gonna put somebody else because he's got cancer or he dies or he's got you know he's whatever god willing he's too old yeah in <laughs> who do you Shalom, think it's right? gonna be um well it's gonna be newsome they're gonna swap yeah. newsome no. out. 
That's my theory. No. That's what. That's my theory. <laughs> Good God. Oh. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> clown world is just that effed up that like Gavin Newsom could be the president of the United States. Like, I swear. I can. But see he's it. actually. That's why he's doing this commercial. Is a like him and DeSantis are kind of like. I think DeSantis know, could beat him. Well, they maybe he ain't gonna get the nom. I don't that's, think. I, I that's think my. Th- Trump could. I think anyone could beat him. To be completely honest, I I, I, I agree with you. I think that they could. <laughs> I just don't think that. Like, I don't think that our elections are real. I, we're allowed oh, yeah. to say that on YouTube now, so I'll just say it. I don't think they are. So, um, I never thought that they were. I yeah, remember well, when everyone was like, "Oh, like now we have to say like election fraud." Like, "Oh, you're undermining democracy or whatever." I was like, I literally felt this way since like bush until like the 90s so it's right. weird that it became all of a sudden we weren't allowed to talk about it but like democrats were literally saying it about elections forever yep. <laughs> right. like every time every, every time, time republican won yeah. yeah they would always say oh there was some sort what was it it happened hanging with chads Gore. yeah it's called the, hanging chads in florida yeah. yeah the bush gore thing and then hillary clinton they were doing the same thing russian interference and didn't but, carry too there was something with the, yeah, yeah, fair. there actually was with the Diebold voting machines and stuff like that. That mm-hmm. some of the people were saying that uh, um, that the Ohio and I lived in Ohio at the time, and I know some people who were kind of connected. And Ohio was like really, really close that year. Um, and there seemed like you know it was kind of like late at night that more stuff was coming in. And although that election, I also remember that they kept the polling places open in Cleveland like three hours later than everywhere else. And Cleveland is, of course, you know, Cleveland and Columbus and Toledo are like the big Democrat cities. And so every we were all thinking, hey, you know, the Democrats going to, you know, Kerry's going to win, but it turned out being the opposite. But, but well, I no, kind of think that it's not just, I don't think it's rigged like just against Republicans or just against Democrats. I think it's rigged for whoever they need in at that particular exactly. time. And I think yeah. Bush was the one that they needed at that exactly. time. Yeah. I, I think people assume it's like it's rigged against Republicans, but theoretically, who knows? They might need a Republican in to get certain certain policies in. Yeah. He, a Republican could be the person that they need at a particular time. I don't think it's particularly rigged in one direction. Yeah, I don't think it's partisan either. I mean, just look yeah. at the FBI's shenanigans. They were responsible for suppressing the left big time in the 60s. Oh, yeah. And and now they are almost entirely dedicated to suppressing the right wing so it's not about it's not at all about partisanship in terms of like it's just about the deep state and who who they want and i i know that sounds conspiratorial i don't care i think it's the truth i think that's exactly how it works i think whatever is going to bring the agenda in and we don't know we don't we might not fully understand what that agenda is so it might not make sense to us we might think that we do but i don't know if we do well i i think i have a good idea just because i mean they're they don't hide it much anymore. Like when they talk about the the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum dictates the UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals, the um, Agenda 2030. Like, I think that that's that's the overarching plan. I just think that democracy is kind of the the window dressing on on their actual intentions. Like we we vote, but you know, did we? I mean, even when Trump got in by accident, like, did we get anything different? Other than maybe we delayed World War Three by four years, <laughs> like I'm not sure that we get anything for our votes, honestly. Uh, Trump is entertaining, at least, but I, I really think he's hilarious. Uh, I, he is the best. <laughs> <laughs> so many, uh, but I, I really think that DeSantis is the deep state candidate because, like, if we think be. about it, that's why I but, think he could win. 
That's why, yeah. So like, because like he was like in get like <laughs> wasn't he like in Getmo and like a Navy lawyer guy, yeah. and like the the Navy uh, spook guys are like way back to like the what the office of naval whatever back in the naval uh, intelligence they, yeah oh and i with the remember the main and all that stuff like those guys have been it's possible uh, i look i i don't know i don't know he was i moved to florida to to be under him as a governor um sorry that sounded homoerotic uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh i don't have any i don't have any faith in the guy I, I like in terms of uh geopolitics i don't have any faith in him i i just think that he was he was far far superior on yeah. lockdowns and you know, I had to choose between him and Gavin Newsom. I made my yeah. choice, and yeah. I'm not. I'm not upset with it. But at the same time, like I, I would rather. Honestly, I, I know a lot of libertarians are upset with me for this, but of all the candidates that are running, RFK Jr. is my preference. I think that he he is the most, uh, like ready for martyrdom. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's genetic with him, right? Yeah, dude. Like he's just like. He's like, yeah, the CIA killed my dad and they killed my uncle and I am ready to die to see them abolished. Yeah. And I'm like, I fucking like you, dude. Like, yeah. you're cool. Um, so that's my that's my pick right now. I just yeah, have, you... I still have trust issues with him, too. Sure. Like, I don't know. I you think should. it's because of the name. I don't know. I think, yeah, it would take a lot for me to trust. Did you read his book right about Fauci, though? No, I mean, I, I can agree. I, I agree with him on that issue, but it also makes me nervous on his fundamentalist climate change yeah ideal like i've that watched videos i've watched videos of him um historically uh on that particular topic and it does worry me and i think that's something yep. like the green new deal he would vote in but he would he might so would, he so might would, but so would joe biden so it's not like yeah <laughs> i mean hurts. here's my my angle on it is like there's nothing more important than avoiding world war three abolishing the fbi and abolishing the cia like those are the three things that matter more, more than anything he allegedly is fully committed to all three of those things so you might want to mute that while you're doing that Aaron. oh sorry i'm an idiot i thought i did <laughs> <laughs> um so like if he's serious about that then he has my support you know because yeah. i don't i don't trust trump at all like trump trump talks that way somewhat but he had four years and he didn't do a damn thing so you know i'd rather have an outsider that seems but he's not Seems really committed. an outsider because he's kind of like in it a little bit. Like, mm, I, I, I mean, I if he's not an outsider, the media sure treats him like he is one. They hate his guts. Yeah, they they did that with Trump. They do that with they do that with DeSantis. I almost well, feel like it can sometimes be an illusion, like of what they want us. I mean, I'm I'm pretty think? conspiratorial <laughs> too, so it's like everything I'm saying is very conspiratorial esque. But like. I think I think that's why I try to just stay very skeptical and not like go full fledged like oh yeah I support this person like I oh, agree yeah, with too. you that yeah like he sounds good on paper but people can just say whatever they think that the populist vote is going like whatever is going to get them the populist vote and sure. it feels like he does kind of like move along the tides he deleted a lot of old tweets like he's you know he, he that kind of behavior just makes me be like huh like do you mean these things or are you just someone that really wants oh, to be in look, office? And... I am, I am always skeptical of politicians. Yeah. I don't trust any of them. So when I say that he has my support, I mean, it is in like of the options that I have. I think he, like if I'm going to have one of these lunatics rule over me, 
let's give that guy a go. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. it. I don't, I don't think he'll necessarily do any of the things that he said. Um, I haven't had a politician that's done basically any of the good things that they've said my entire life. So I, exactly. I sincerely doubt he will. But um, in terms of like rhetoric, he is most, most close, closely aligned with me in a lot of ways. And, and that's very weird for me because I've never had a Democrat that I aligned with yeah. more than the GOP candidate uh, because I don't want a big state and usually the Democrat candidate wants to grow it you know very rapidly so i don't know we'll see he's in, he's in, he's i just i very much like him being in the mix well i think that the fact that the overton window is kind of shifted that direction that he's deleting tweets that made him too statist on things to mm-hmm. you know I, I think that's a good sign and even though um I agree with everything that Clint just said, but it's a good thing that there is a candidate for one of the two major parties who is talking about those things. Um, I want it to be Trump and him. So they're both talking about abolishing the FBI. That'd be awesome. Right. Yeah. I mean, man, could you imagine? I I wouldn't go to any debates with those two there (laughs) in the same building at the same time. You'd have a Raptor drone. (laughs) You'd have a Raptor drone flying around the top of it, man. It'd be crazy. But um, that, that's the thing is, is to, to have, um, you know, basically neither party is out there talking about, like you said, war, civil liberties. It used to be the Democrats that were good on that in the 60s, and or at least half the Democrats uh, were, were kind of good on that at times. And the fact that neither party is really good on that. You know, I, I, I think it's always a good sign, just like with Tulsi. I guess she's no longer a Democrat, but like I, I just think it's anytime um, somebody from the left does have a sane liberty, almost liberty position on something, I think we have to we have to embrace that. Um, yeah, at and, least at least help him get on the debate stage. Like I would love to see him debate Joe Biden if he if he's polling over 30 percent. I don't know how they avoid a debate. Like, I don't know. I, we'll see. I guess they could still just say no, um, but it would look crazy weak of them if they have a guy who's like a serious contender and they just ignore him. From what I was told wasn't, I don't know if this is accurate. But from what I was told is that neither Republicans or Democrats do debates if the, like if they're the person in office is oh, like, the incumbent. For, yeah. If the person in office is a Republican, the Republicans won't have a debate because like Trump didn't either. But if the Democrats do it, the Democrats won't either. That's what I've heard. I mean, I think that I think that you can. I don't think you have to. So, uh, yeah, which I mean, if they don't have to, then they won't. Then they won't. <laughs> yeah. But but I think that, you know, there's a really good chance that because so much of election uh, or or campaigning is now podcast driven that you could see, you know, maybe a Trump versus RFK Twitter spaces or a Rogan appearance or whatever, you know, that, that type of stuff would really, uh, I think you would get tens and tens of millions of people that would tune in. And, and that is, that's a huge marketing opportunity, especially if you're trying to win a campaign, if they actually believe that elections are real. Um, so I would just like to see that, you know, I don't think Biden will ever necessarily get in the ring with RFK, but like, I want RFK to make Trump better. You know, if, if Trump's going to be the guy, I want RFK to be like, yeah, well, you're talking about abolishing the FBI. You were the president for four years. You didn't do shit. Check me out. My uncle and my dad were assassinated by these people. I will absolutely abolish them. Like, that'd be so cool. (laughs) I I think it's going to be DeSantis. 
Everyone, why, do you, why are you so calm? He's, I, he's I getting crushed it, in the polls. I don't. I know, but so so was Trump at first. I don't know. I just yeah, that's true. I've got a feeling. I've got a okay. feeling. I could be wrong, guys. It's like three all four, intuition, no evidence. Three or four months ago. Well, you are a woman, <laughs> so maybe maybe we should listen to you on the intuition thing. Like, uh, My ovaries are talking now. But like, on the, <laughs> but like four or five months ago, I actually was kind of where you are on DeSantis. Like I thought he could ride this woke thing to the whatever but like i the trump thing is so like i knew it was strong but like it is really strong and i think that the fact that he's been indicted twice just makes him stronger like he's just like a i i don't know it's like a is there a comic book guy that you know you, you shoot him with lightning bolts and he becomes stronger that's trump like he just well the uh, other thing about trump is like if he doesn't win he may spend the rest of his life in prison like he almost has to win. So yep. um I think he knows that. I think he knows that like his freedom is actually potentially on the line here cuz they're not playing around. I don't know if people have read the indictment, but it is serious and and that's not the the last either. There will probably be two more. Um so they are trying to stack up cases against this guy and I think they're trying to pressure him and coerce him into dropping out of the race, but I don't think Trump will look at that and say Oh, if I drop out, they'll drop these charges and they'll leave me be. He's going to look at it and go, "If I don't win, I'm going to prison." So, mm. right. I, I think is it, it's interesting. Is it just the the classified documents and the Stormy Daniels thing, or is there more? There's way more. Um, oh. The Georgia. There's a huge one that's going to come down. It's him, you know, demanding additional votes. It's basically like election tampering or whatever. Oh uh, so you- that what's that? So if he did that, that is kind of fucked up, correct? <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. But if you've, it, there's actually, I don't know if it's audio or if I just read the transcript, but um, I didn't find it to be criminal in nature. He said, he said, there's like, no way I, you know, classic Trump, no way I lost this, da, 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 you know, <laughs> go find me 200,000 votes. He's just being like fucking New Yorker guy. So um, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't think, I don't think, it, I don't think any of these are like really serious cases personally but that doesn't mean that he won't get thrown in prison for it so but yeah that's exactly the point is what we were saying earlier is that like he he is not facing charges for you know yemen he is facing charges for this and that just and with these classified document stuff isn't there stuff in there like about iran and and different stuff i mean it's yeah. all deep state like hey you shouldn't you, sh- you know, it, it's all the deep state protecting its own. And I, but really, I don't see how they're that stupid to think that somehow this is going to keep him because obviously it doesn't make him less popular with half the country. And obviously, like you said, Clint, it's not making him less likely to run. Like, even if they sat him down and was like, I, I guess they could sit him down like, as, hey, there's a plea deal. We make all this go away. Yeah. If you, and, and we promise Look, not Joe, to put Joe Biden prison. could pardon him. I mean, he could. Guess, yeah, he could say he could say this has gone too far. We're not gonna. This is America. We don't prosecute our political opponents. I'm parting him because they have some handshake deal that Trump has said I'm gonna stop running. I, that's unlikely. I'm not saying it's probable, but um, you know. Or if they can do the <laughs> same thing possible. to Biden, like maybe like couldn't they potentially do something similar to Biden? Didn't Biden have classified documents? I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of yeah. illegal things. Like so, for example, this could just be what they do to not just Democrats, but like in general, like if you have a candidate that you don't like, you can just try to be like, look at all this illegal shit that they did. 
Like, yeah. If they could do it to Trump, couldn't they do it to Biden too? Well, they could, but the the thing is that Trump does, or excuse me, Biden does whatever they want. So they're yeah. not going to do that to him. That's the whole reason that they bury. Every, I mean, every single thing that Trump has been accused of, the Bidens are guilty of in spades. I mean, they they are like. You have him demanding the firing of, of Shokin, the prosecutor in Ukraine. He says, I'm going to withhold a billion dollars of aid. They say, oh, you can't do that. You're the vice president. He says, call Obama. Oh, well, what do you know? The son of a bitch got fired. I mean, he's on tape saying that. You now have a, a, an informant that comes out, says he received $5 million to do so. I mean, that is really damning stuff. But it's not going to go anywhere because the DOJ and the FBI works on behalf of Joe Biden because Joe Biden works on behalf of whoever the hell actually runs this country. Yep. So I don't see him being in any danger at all. And I mean, the only reason he would step down is because they said, you've served your purpose. Go away. Go away, you imbecile, you deranged, <laughs> you know, brain melting out of your ear, old piece of garbage. I, I mean, I hope that they do that, honestly. But Well, couldn't the uh, GOP or some people in the GOP collectivize I don't think so. and do Listen something to like yourself. That? You're asking, I don't know. You're asking yourself <laughs> if the Republican Party is going to, like, stand up for something and actually follow through on the rhetoric that they... I mean, I would love to... for that to be the possible, but I just don't... If, if there was ever a time to go after the FBI, it was last two weeks ago during that that debt ceiling debate and they didn't do it so i don't think they're gonna do it i don't yeah they they never will they'll they'll talk uh when they need to but that's why you have to have an executive that's willing and you have to have an executive that's willing to die to get it done and rfk jr is the only one that strikes me as potentially being willing to die for his beliefs unless we have a good lp candidate come on all right in terms of being able to win is what i mean do you think rfk can win He's not even gonna. You think he's gonna get the like primary vote? Like, if, I, if elections are real, then he could win. <laughs> if ele- well, yeah. I thought we already established that they weren't. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I don't know that they're not. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't. I mean, the fact that Trump got in, I don't think that that was supposed to happen. So, like, but because that happened, I think that yeah. they've really battened down the hatches, and they now really, really are going to make sure that this election goes whatever direction they need it to go. Um, so. Yeah, I told Aaron, I, think, I, th- I think that Trump could have been in for a purpose. Like, I think that he might have, like, pe- you think it's an accident. I think maybe he was the scapegoat that they needed. Like, I, he was I, I know con- a lot of potentially controlled, controlled opposition without knowing that he was I, controlled opposition. Yes, I, and a lot of people do say that, but I, I just don't buy it because of the treatment that he's received, you know, after being in office. Uh, not to mention the multiple impeachments during his time in office, uh, not to mention the spying and the investigations that happened from the FBI before he was even in office. Uh, it just every every sign points to him being an outsider that they very yeah. much did not want to be in there. That's my read of it. I could be wrong, of course. I, but I think the simplest explanation, and I think there is some documentation for this in like all the DNC emails and stuff like that of like they they pressured CNN. They were like, oh, in the 2016 Republican uh uh, primaries they told cnn and all the places like hey we want you to highlight trump Cruz, and um oh what's the guy the the, the ben carson oh. they're like we want you guys to pay attention to those three guys because they're the crazy ones right they're not like the you know the the um you know the respectable republicans give them all this attention yeah so the they Republicans will nominate. Yeah, so they'll nominate a clown, and Hillary can walk right in. And so that's why they hate it so much. And, and Hillary Clinton is so detestable that she couldn't beat the clown that they they chose for her. 
I mean, right. that's amazing. And then on top of that, she is simultaneously setting up a, a completely false investigation based off of information that she planted with yep. the Steele dossier. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable all of the different angles of shenanigans that were involved in the Trump presidency. But I, and as just to make it very crystal clear, never voted for the guy, not even once. Yep. But I am just telling you, after a lot of investigation on my part of what transpired during his presidency, I find it extraordinarily hard to believe that he was their chosen, uh, you know, Trojan horse or whatever. Like the guy, they, they hate the guy. They really, I think it's totally sincere too. Yeah, I, I think he was he was meant to be the uh, uh, the Washington generals to Hillary's Harlem Globetrotters, and the he decided to and the generals play. won the generals <laughs> the gen- won gen- generals hit a <laughs> windmill dunk on that bitch. <laughs> I have the, heard that uh, like Bernie, like I've heard that people say Bernie stole a bunch of Hillary's votes because he people were very passionate about Bernie. But he wasn't even in the race. I know. Oh, you're saying but couldn't people of... write in? Like, isn't there yeah. a way for I mean, people not to vote? I wrote in Ron Paul, you know, yeah. so did I steal a vote from Trump, you know, like. <laughs> Theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the stolen votes thing. Yeah. I yeah. Love that. I love yeah. that argument. Um, so, yeah, we talked a lot about this stuff, but like um, uh, Ted Kaczynski, uh, that is a. Um, people have been talking about him a lot and he's kind of had a, uh, in the libertarian world. And I think in other places too, I think people, um, the last few years have, um, gone back and looked at some of the things he said about, you know, industrial society, right. And its future. Right. But, uh, I think it's the consequences, the, it's consequences. Oh. But like, I, I, I really think that like, <laughs> There's a lot there. Oh, the Twitch like, streamer I, I, has a problem with that. I'm shocked. <laughs> well, I, I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a pacifist uh, more so, you know, a lot of libertarians obviously are not, but I am. And so, like, I definitely don't agree with do, doing what he did. But, like, it's hard um, to me. Um, just more and more, you see the effect that, and not to pick on Internet people, but because uh, we're all on the Internet and more than we like it but I, I i remember i was an adult before i had the internet so like i know what the world was like before and for as many great things that the internet does i can watch the cincinnati reds anytime i want to uh, from anywhere <laughs> in the world um i can listen to whatever music i want uh, uh just about whenever i want and it does give us a lot of stuff but like i think it really has it has, it definitely has some uh, some drawbacks, and I think that's why people. I see people this are, argument very like, I need, I need to, let, Just let, let Brandy rip. I can tell yeah. she's chopping at the bit. No, well, because uh, I see this this argument very similar to what people say about capitalism. So I know a lot of commies. I used to be a commie. Someone's asked in chat, "Have you were you ever a Democrat?" No, I was a communist. I was anti-capitalist. I was like all the way, like on that on that side you know and i i see this anti-technology anti-modernity the argument you replace those words with capitalism and you would be the exact same argument like i know leftists that say the exact same thing about capitalism and i just think it's bullshit because i think what like 200 years ago 85 percent of the fucking world was under the poverty level and the only reason it's not is because of the industrial revolution and you're gonna fucking bitch about it like suck my dick <laughs> i don't know that that's that's well, that, how that, I, like that there was are Scott, fl- what? Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that that was Scott Horton's angle on it, and 
I, I don't disagree with you guys on that. I think the Industrial Revolution has provided abundance in a way that you know you can hardly even quantify. Um, so it's it's amazing. That doesn't change the fact that he has been right and and basically a like a future teller based off of if you've read what he wrote, it's really it's really profound and particularly his his analysis of the left and how how technology would. Um, you know, destroy them, <laughs> I think has been spot on. So like I, I made this joke yesterday that I was listening to R. Kelly while reading Ted's manifesto because I can separate the art from the artist. I just wanted a creative way. I wasn't actually doing either of those things. But I just wanted a creative way of calling Ted Kaczynski an artist because I think that his writing was, was really, really interesting. That doesn't change the fact that he's a murderer. And it doesn't change the fact that R. Kelly's a pedophile. Like, like they're bad people. I just think that, like, the uh, I forget the name of it, but his manifesto, like the primary one, when I read it, I I couldn't believe that he wrote it before the internet was even being used. It was really, really remarkable. So I think yeah. that I'm in between. Like, I he think was he's... also a climate change fundamentalist. Like, ninety yeah. percent of his qualms with technology was due to the fact that he thought he we was, were destroying nature. He was also tortured for <laughs> years. No, in, of in course. I, and I've read, I've read some of his manifesto. Like, I and I, I can say, I just don't think that even, I don't even think that his critiques of left was that original or compelling personally. But like, I yeah. In, in terms of how the internet has has. <sighs> basically like because i think that broken this is their all brains. An it's all an, also just people not taking responsibility for themselves is what i always kind of bring it back to you know like everyone just looks for a boogeyman or something to blame like it's capitalism's fault why my life sucks it's technology's fault it's modernity's fault no it's your fucking fault like yeah. that's my perspective is just like take responsibility but for yourself I, th I think that on an individual level you're absolutely right but on yeah. a collective level you can see the consequences of people like the algorithms the fact that people are uh, you see so many more kids that are anxious and suicidal and depressed and all these things like that coincides almost exactly with the advent of social media and the uptake of it so i think to dismiss that when it we're talking about kids you know we're not yeah, talking about adults parental. Who, i think parents need to you're right. take more control you, here i agree like, so i agree but I, it doesn't do change the fact that the kids the individual level I, I still i agree with you yeah. but I'm, I'm just saying i'm just saying that there there are consequences of the the real problem is that the the technology and the the increase in the utilization of this technology occurred at a pace at which humanity has never uh, encountered. I mean, and and it's in increasing, you know, exponentially every couple of years. It's like it's really remarkable. And we've just I just don't think humans are um, we're not adapted to that yet. Like we're not capable of really adapting to it either. And and I think that that's the reason that he was profound in his analysis is that he saw it before it was even happening. So that's the reason I think he's he's worth he's worth reading. Well, I don't think he's worth he's not worth like deifying like some yeah, people do. Exactly. Well, I think that that's where my problem lies is that I see a lot of libertarians deify him, act like he was just yeah. This a lot, a lot of it's in jest. There, just so you yeah, because I know yeah. a lot of the people that say most that. of it's in, in jest. Uh, there's a couple of people who shall re remain nameless who I don't think are joking, but um, but <laughs> and didn't but, he wasn't he pen pals with like Greta Thornburg or was that? Not true. I, I, I no heard idea. that that was That's true. Crazy. No, I, I heard that Greta Thornburg was like pen pals with him. Was she trying to be like the one of those pr prison brides? You know, the like, people who marry the. Uh, uh, she said that uh, she enjoyed killers. his writing, and like that's exactly what I thought when I was reading it. I was like, I could see people Greta that are this, yeah. though not just Greta, just like people of that like caliber, like people that are 
autistic lefties. <laughs> well, autistic, le- autistic anyone, to be honest. Yeah, well, that, maybe that's why I like him. All right. Yeah. Just the well, autist, he, man. He, here, here's, here's the thing, though, with the whole, um, I think we're missing in this uh, discussion of him. And I think that some of his writings, he talks about like people being over socialized and through like the education system and stuff like that. And so it's not the fact that there's technology. It's not the industrial revolution. The fact that, you know, we, you know, have much more wealth and have been able to, you know, we have far, you know, we have tractors and stuff and, uh, uh, assembly lines. And now we have the internet, like all of those things are tools and in and of themselves, they have brought a lot of great things, like, especially the, you know, the first couple waves of the industrial revolution, like people don't starve to death and die at age 40 because of all this stuff. That's good. But one thing we're missing is that in throughout all of this with the industrial revolution, with what Clint was saying is it is a very strange thing and very rapid technological growth for, you know, people who are hard, you know, we're hardwired through evolution. I'm a Christian. So I think God started the evolution thing, but like, we're all like programmed a certain way and the world around us is changing. We're not catching up. And we have this thing called the state, which is this huge cancer growing its tendrils through every part of society. And including so, that technology. Right, exactly. So this technology is happening uh, uh, it's very disruptive in a good way, mostly, but you have the state, you have public education, which is, you know, literally socializing people to behave a certain way, think a certain way, you know, like a 12 year old boy should be out hunting and fishing and playing baseball. Instead, he's in a room with some person who got a education degree and he has to raise his hand to go to the bathroom like that. I mean, that's, it's it's an unnatural place that a lot of our children are in every day and then you give them the internet with all the stuff that's on the internet both good and bad and of course it's gonna mess people up i I mean i just don't think that i don't think people really know um i think we're starting to find out but like i i think that the the whole social media thing is going to have profound implications i think all the stuff we're you know, the trans stuff and, and all kinds of, that's all mixed in with that too. Like I think without, kids shouldn't be allowed on their, shouldn't be able to get phones, you know? Like I, I think that you shouldn't be able, personally, if I, I don't have children, so my opinion doesn't matter. But if I did, I, I wouldn't let my kid have a phone, like with the either. internet, you me know, either. like, I, and so I don't, this seems like, okay, well, this is a fucking parent, like in my mind, I know a lot of parents will be, I've taught, I have a lot of friends that are parents and they're always like, well, you don't understand. It's hard. All their friends have it. And I'm like, so like, (laughs) I don't, I just don't see that argument. It is just taking control of your life, taking control of the situation. Like, yeah, the the technology is going to be a thing. There's nothing we can do about it. Like, we're going to have to learn how to live with it and take responsibility for ourselves. We can't yep. just like run around and being like, Oh, modernity. I hate but the it. fact, but the fact <laughs> that the state exists and that the state has been using yeah. it from day one to push its agenda. And it's not like the liberal agenda. It's the state's agenda that it's people. They want people who are obedient. That's why we need school choice. Right. Well, that's another <laughs> thing, but like, you know, the state wants you to basically, have a job and uh you know basically we're collateral on the debt that the that the government incurs every year you know our future earnings are the collateral so they want us to um, have jobs 
make money and consume and nothing else. And the internet being used and controlled by people who have that agenda are, you know, just think of, you know, that, that the whole pandemics, I hate that word pandemic, the virus panic, which I like to call it. It's they forced us all into our homes. And so we're just on Netflix or whatever else online ordering stuff to bring to our house. And, you know, it's the prequel to the matrix, right? They want us hooked up to, they just want us in pods, just consuming and and uh, generating just... enough income so they can keep paying the debt and that's that's what they want and so that's it's not the technology per se it's the fact that rich and powerful people with an agenda have uh the capacity to use this technology to get a certain result and that's 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 what the problem is and i don't think zinsky fully got that part of it but i think he was kind of onto it some I mean, Rothbard talked about this too, uh, you know, far before Kaczynski with the, you know, technocracy, um, you know, replacing the state or re- replacing God and then the state utilizing technocracy to, to get their way. So um, I think that that's really what we're living through, but I, I, I still think that his analysis was worthwhile. Um, yeah. So I don't, I definitely don't deify the guy. I think that he was a very troubled individual and, and he ultimately killed innocent people. So I don't have any sympathy for that whatsoever, but yeah. um, those that have read him and find, you know, some sort of intrigue in his writing, I don't, I don't hold that against him at all. I personally found it intriguing. So it's like, I can't, I can't hold that against them. So speaking of books, I read a book a, a, a couple of years ago. It's called Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA and the secret history of the sixties by this guy, Tom O'Neill. And it's basically about all the MK ultra stuff and how, uh, you know, Manson was, a also an MK ultra, you know, they gave him LSD and all that stuff. And, yep. uh, it's a, it's just a great, it's not just, uh, that it's a really great book. Somebody should make a, a TV show about it. It's pretty wild. But, um, if you, if well, you and- don't know much about that, that's a good book to start with. Sporting I have a chaos. conspiracy theory on that, that Let's I think, it. cause you know, all those, how in the 70s all of these serial killers like popped up out of nowhere it was like a bunch i feel like that it's connected to that mk ultra stuff because even son of sam i think was connected to it and then also uh jeffrey dahmer was in the military before he started killing all these like and ted bundy was connected to politics and so was uh john wayne gacy and it's just really weird that they're all kind of connected in some way so this is one of my conspiracy theories that i think that they're all it's a distinct possibility i mean you also had McVeigh, who uh, did OKC in the '90s, and he was in the military, and it's like, I think, I think that he was. At, I mean, I don't think I know for a fact. At minimum, he was being watched by the FBI and uh, and surrounded by FBI informants. So, um, I, I like, I think it would be totally naive to think that there's not a real possibility that some of those serial killers uh, were MK Ultra victims. And and for the record, RFK Jr. thinks that Sirhan Sirhan was MK Ultra, and and yeah. that he wasn't he wasn't actually the assassin of his father. So I th- I think mm. the evidence mm. is fairly strong on that one, from what I've seen. Yeah, if you watch RFK Jr. sit down with Mike Tyson, which by the way YouTube just pulled it down, so it's probably the truth. Oh. It's probably uh, a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Uh, he says that. Uh, wait, you know, I, wait, hold on, hold on. I thought you just said RFK Jr. was interviewed by Mike Tyson. I just said that because it's what <laughs> happened. It's the absolute truth, and it was well, awesome. I'm going to see if it's on Rumble or whatever. It probably um, is, yeah. Okay. See, how could you hate or technology? And what other world <laughs> would Mike Tyson be able to interview a presidential candidate? 
Come on. I, I don't hate technology. I think it's awesome. But I do think that there's also negative or deleterious consequences for kids. It's I all about that. balance. So I, I just right. Googled RFK, Mike Tyson, Rumble, and the video comes up. Um, the, ti- the title of the video is Fascist Google on YouTube. Just ban this RFK interview with Mike Tyson. Watch it here. Awesome. So it How many views has it got? It has... Um, uh, this one has like five thousand, but it Rookie looks like, numbers. but it looks Talk like there's up. a bunch of yeah. There's got to be a ton of them. There, there's a bunch of different. People. <clears throat> I go back to the Google thing, and there's a bunch of it. So, Brandy, how, um, well, you don't have to answer this, but if you want to, you can. How old are you? I am thirty-three. Okay, so the I think that the reason for me, because I'm forty, I think that mm-hmm. the reason that I'm like, um, I'm really concerned and i i think you share the concern when it comes to kids but because the internet really didn't start to like hit until i was almost an adult anyways and same with for aaron it's like i got to do what you're describing where i got to grow up without the internet and then the internet was just there for me to launch into when i was an adult and i felt like that's a good way of of being able to acclimate to it and and not be overwhelmed by it but like with the kids it's just it's just so brutal i was on the cusp of that so like i I would say i got the internet honest i had a computer before like when i was very young but i didn't have the internet probably till i was like uh 11 or 12 um i didn't get it until i was 16 (laughs) you know the internet dial up like it was not the same like you couldn't like google shit like yeah <laughs> it was not the creature that it oh is i remember now. downloading the, the <laughs> pamela anderson and just seeing it just <laughs> for me it was napster and like trying to find uh you know like uh, led zeppelin bootlegs and and stuff like that but i was 21 and in grad school before i got the internet and so it, it really was like and even then i remember like it it, it does do stuff to your brain it's just like it's and, and it's just, very addictive. I, I can speak for my Twitter easy addiction. To glorify like the old days too, like to say it because in the past, before the internet, like we got all of our news and everything from mainstream media, and like yeah. everyone was kind of just, you know, you, you, it was very hard to find alternative media <laughs> before even like the early two thousands. And yeah. I, I would say that that is such a benefit. Like I huge even benefit. yeah, like and imagine in my opinion i think that that is what they don't like about the internet which is why they want to censor it because they don't like the fact that we have the have information at our fingertips and i would be i would be a total hypocrite to say that the internet hasn't benefited me tremendously i i went from running a mortgage company to like completely i moved three thousand miles away and now all of the friends and people that i know and talk to on a daily basis are all through the internet because of my twitter account because of my show so like it has changed my life and for the better to make it very very clear um so i'm not i'm not saying that there aren't major upsides and the fact that like when i was growing up i was the only libertarian i knew you know like now if you're an anarcho-capitalist or a libertarian and you go on the internet you can have a community in 10 seconds there are dozens of us yeah now there's (laughs) like maybe 12 or 15 of us it's awesome (laughs) Well, and I, I, okay, so again, as someone, I hate to play the grandpa card here, but so oh, grandpa. I, I, I remember, okay, so this was like 97, 98, I went away to grad school and uh, had a computer and, you know, you had like Usenet groups and you had, you know, uh, Napster and LimeWire and uh, all, it was, yeah. it was really very decentralized and you really could be online and have no, and present yourself as 
you know, uh, whatever you wanted to be because there were no, you know, video wasn't, there wasn't much. People uh, still do that on Twitter. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> Pe- people do, but in a different way. Like back in the day, like in the, in a Usenet group or what IRC or what, like it was all just like, it was literally just a name. So you could call yourself Sherlock Holmes if you wanted to, or, or, uh, you know, El Conquistador 27 or whatever. And you could present yourself literally as however you wanted to be. And it was very decentralized. And I saw it was a very big shift around like Oh four Oh five Oh six in there. Like, like when Facebook and other things, 2007. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of started, you started hearing these things called like web 2.0 and then they started calling it social media. And to me, that was the, uh, big tech hurting everybody out of all these different dark corners, very decentralized and anonymous into, Oh, let's all get on the same five big platforms and let's all put our actual name and picture on there. And let's all network to the people we know in real life. Right. And so that was a very big difference. So like the first thing I did when I got on the internet back in the day is I found a use that group for mystery science theater 3000. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's the show where they make fun of the, and to find like those people on the internet, like I had no idea who these people were and we would talk about these things and then baseball stuff. And like, that's the stuff I was into. And it, it was, it was literally so much different than it is now that we're all literally on Facebook, all our family, everybody knows everybody. You can Facebook stalk somebody and find out about their lives. Yeah. Not everybody, but just think of that's such a big difference yeah it's it's awful i mean the the censorship apparatus during 2020 has been a catastrophe for the human race to to model myself after kaczynski it's been terrible so but i think that what you're describing though the first 15 years of the internet were incredible it was like what was this what was the search engine before google because like i don't remember i remember using i remember using search engines but i don't don't yahoo is what i used before yeah yeah there was like alta vista um but now they're all connected to google seems like right uh, not all they're still where, being in like, other ones that's my they're not they're decentralized out like not they don't they don't use google's algorithm okay. i know all that right. Bing is but it's microsoft so it's not like it's yeah. free searching you know because like, even i think DuckDuckGo uses google now, yeah well DuckDuckGo sold out hard during the, yeah. the covid hysteria because how can sadly. you just like search the because i do i definitely think this is a problem for sure because like how how do you search the internet now i think without? i think people use tiktok and they use twitter and they use their social media but that's not fucking how you get g- good information either well, like, <laughs> sometimes it is i mean info seek i'm watching one of those videos that shows the most popular search engines over time info seek excite yahoo web crawler alta vista this is like in 1994 um, and then Google kind of came out of nowhere. Gee, I wonder why having a uh, funding from just DARPA funding. No <laughs> yeah. <big deal. laughs> Lycos was a big one. Um, yeah. But so I, I think that's what it is, is like they, they took something that was very decentralized and anarchic in the actual sense of the word, meaning anarchy, meaning without a leader, not chaotic. Um, oh, it was chaotic, too. Well, but in a good way, but like, yeah, it, it was very, very different. And now Free market's it is chaotic. It's, awesome. it, it's, it, it's like back in the day when they, um, uh, like in Great Britain, when they said, okay, we're not going to have like the open range, uh, 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 
you know, let the sheep graze. We're all going to enclose everything and put every put fences up everywhere. And that's what the social media is, is it's everybody's herded into identifiable pens and it's much more trackable. And if we're all in, the, you know, the whole network effect thing of people are on Facebook just because everybody else is on Facebook so they can see their nephew do this or you know, their church is doing that. And so every, the fact that everybody's there makes it a much easier way for the deep state to track everybody because we're just in these six big buckets rather than in 70,000 little buckets. Yeah. Well, with know? the advent of AI, it's, it's only going to get uh, worse in that regard. I mean, it's going like they're able to track you based off of your facial recognition technology and they can get any photo on any social media app and they can connect them all on the back end so that they can then have a, a full, you know, uh, window into your life and your, your movements and your whereabouts and your associations. It's going to be, um, very, very extreme. I, it already is. I mean, if you've seen what they did to the J sixers, it's like, yeah, they, they have, I they mean, have China's all the already there. They yeah. Well, they, they are. And, and I think, unfortunately, uh, during the COVID hysteria, we saw that like our government is more than willing to model itself after the CCP. Like that's, that's what they want, which is why they have to be torn to the ground. I do think that's why there's this push to that. Even the GOP is about where they're like, we need to regulate TikTok. We need to regulate all of these things to protect. It's always under the guise of like, we need to protect the children or we need to protect. And that's why I don't really like that argument because it's like, I think that that's how they, how they push these agenda because these agendas is because they need some sort of cause that feels noble that they know that they can get people behind so that oh, they can regulate and censor and do all the things that they need. Don't get me wrong. I, I just, I don't disagree with you at all that this is a parental problem. Like parents need to get involved in the kids' lives. I am not in any way advocating for the state to regulate social media. I'm not mm-hmm. at all. And I know there's a lot of Republicans that are out there that are saying they wanted a ban for kids. Vivek Ramaswamy um, is, he said the same. He's like, I'm going to ban it if you're under 16 or 18 or whatever. I'm like, this is all, you know, just nonsense nannyism. I'm not yeah. into that at all. And with like, and they want to regulate AI. And like, I'm just, and I, I, I mean, I feel like I'm just not educated enough. But uh, anytime I see CEOs that run companies and they want to regulate the businesses that they run, I'm always just like a little suspicious. You should be. Yeah, <laughs> like, I am, and I am as well. Like I will Chat say GPT's this, though. GPT's like, I want to regulate AI. Elon Musk, I want to regulate AI. Google, I want to regulate AI. I'm like, right. hmm, hmm. And they also wanted to have re- regulations to decide on their terms of service when it came to speech rights during yeah. uh, COVID. I don't trust any of these people. And they're all, I mean, really the only answer is to diminish the size of the state. All, all of these major corporations are essentially like they're they're only doing business at the blessing of the state like they and they all know it and that's that's the whole reason that capitalism looks as terrible as it does right now is because they are all it's fascism i mean that's what we're really up against is actual fascism where you have big business and big government that's mm-hmm. working in tandem to uh you know circumvent scissoring. our bill Sorry. of rights yeah they're scissoring <laughs> exactly and we're Sorry. and we're caught in between and it doesn't feel good <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, that was you derailed me big time, Brady. Jesus. <laughs> That's always how I describe it to people. We yeah, they're scissoring. It's a, they're they scissoring, are. guys. <laughs> they're scissoring, guys. Okay, I don't know. That's uh, yeah. We need a GIF of that, and it is pronounced GIF, by the way. It's not GIF, but it's GIF. Man's illiterate. No, I, me illiterate. <laughs> 
I scored a perfect score on the GRE. Uh, oh uh, my God! Do uh, not verbal. be an autist. Do not be an autist and <laughs> no, take I'm... my joke and get defensive. Don't you do it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually is GIF. But anyway, um, it's GIF. The, it's okay. So how how can we turn AI uh, to fight the state, if at all? I'm not I'm not uh, qualified to answer that question. But like everybody Here, is, I, I have a silver lining on this. I okay. think that. Uh, the the most free AI will dominate in a way that the 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 woke and the regulated ones can't possibly compete. So ultimately, competition should force some AI developers into into delivering exactly what you're describing. And if they do, and if it becomes the best, then it'll be a massive tool to fight against the state. But don't so, you think that that might be why they want to regulate it? Because if they yes. create these regulations, then uh, then it will create these barriers. Of course. To smaller, you know, decentralized AI companies. That is why they want to regulate it, of course. Which is what pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. But I'm just saying, like, it, because because it, the, the most free one is going to be by far the most successful, yeah. I think that ultimately it'll be very hard because, like, here's the truth. Whoever has the best AI kind of runs the next, like the future of humanity. So um, they're going to try and keep it out of our hands, but I don't think they're going to prevail in that well, because ultimately, like, ChatGPT like, was technically started out decentralized. It was supposed right. to be open source, and then you went closed source, and you yep. went privately funded, and yep. now he's like, we need to regulate. So it's like, yep. <laughs> like I thought that that was going to be ChatGPT. But yeah. now it looks like they're they're going in the other direction. Well, it's it's the exact same story with Google. It was you know do no evil. Like Google yeah. was really good early on, um, and then it became you know this just albatross nightmare that it is today. So I think that you'll see many of the early AIs go that direction, but you will see competitors rise up that that have the potential to surpass them very rapidly because of how AI develops. It's like, I mean. It can like overnight practically. So yeah. I'm, rise I'm optimistic. Rise up, AI developers. Right. Yes, rise up. And, well, and, I, and what's really cool is like some of the best people that are in that world are of our ideological worldview. So Ooh. what's that? Ooh. Uh, oh, I'm not. I'm, I don't know them by name. Oh, I'm just saying okay. like they, any of the <laughs> any of the like Silicon Valley entrepreneurs that succeeded in the 90s and the 2000s. They most of them had libertarian leanings because that's mm. just like f for whatever reason there is some sort of uh, you know brain makeup probably because they're all autistic um, <laughs> mm. like they 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 tend to produce uh, products that end up being very beneficial to humanity in terms of freedom yeah. and and I think that's what what will happen here too. But then they also uh, that we talked about this on either last week or the week before about you know Peter Thiel and Elon Musk are supposed to you know back they were supposed to be these libertarian whatevers and they're huge defense contractors and yeah well they get uh, corrupted like, but it doesn't change the fact that like I would right. rather have someone that's creating the new AI yeah. to have our worldview when they're doing it yeah they may become worth a trillion dollars and become you know Hitler twenty yeah. years from now but like I still would rather them be creating it than DARPA yeah. Mm. Well, and it, if you look at it one way, it's probably only people like that who can create it and not, you know, it's the government that swoops in after somebody's had a, a good idea and and yep. takes hold of it. It does. You can't have, you know, these ideas, you know, the Wright brothers invented the plane in a bicycle shop in the town I grew up in, and they had no government funding. They were just guys who tinkered, and that's where ideas come from. They didn't come from, um, you know, the army was trying to, you know, figure that stuff out um but they didn't you know it was a couple of guys from ohio who did it so like um and talking about turning uh ai against the state i was thinking there's a great um 
I'm not really a sci-fi guy at all, but uh, one of the great libertarian novels is a book called The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. I love Ro- that book. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Robert Heinlein? Yeah, Robert right? Heinlein. Fucking um, love him. <laughs> and the, so the whole thing is like this guy, the, the moon is like a penal colony like Australia Ten stuffles. Was. That's right. That's where the Ain't No Such Thing as a Free Lunch came from. And so basically the guy is able to befriend the supercomputer that runs the moon, the government on the moon. And they, in other words, he basically, the moon secedes from earth and all this because they have this computer that can outsmart them. Uh, that's a very thumbnail sketch, but, uh, I, I've just read thinking, it. Everybody go read it right now. It's yeah. Great. I'll, let me grab it real quick. It is I'll great. A great one liners in that book. Yeah. So good. He it's, has a, he has a few, cause he was a libertarian. Yeah, so he, was a, he has a few books that are libertarian. It's my favorite fiction book ever. Yeah, yeah. I, Brave New World will always be my favorite. I think it's good too. But that that for me was just my favorite. It was like just perfectly in alignment with my worldview. That's mm-hmm. on my. I've got like a special little thing up there with uh, some of my favorite novels: Huckleberry Finn, Moby Dick. Um, you just like it because he says the n-word Unbelievable. yeah yeah that's the only reason i like it <laughs> um uh steinbeck's east of eden Conf- confederacy of dunces is a great book um but actually huck finn is a very libertarian book uh when you think about it i haven't huck read finn. that since i think middle school so i don't even know yeah it, you're making it, me think i need to go back <laughs> yeah it's it's worth it it's worth it mark twain was uh he was pretty good um we kind of got off on a tangent there, but it was a good tangent, I think. But um, so what else, anything else we need to, um, I mean, do we talked to, do we talk about pride month yet? <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that. Um, I think okay. That- so you had a tweet uh, earlier, Clint, I think I had it up here. Um, I think this is earlier today. It, and this is your tweet. It's all a distraction. Stop with the culture war. And then in that was in quotes, like people are saying this. And then you say the battle over foundational truths like human biology is not a distraction when targeted towards young children by the millions it is existential. And since the government is pushing it, it's political. So no, I won't stop. And so the point is, is that it's not like Pride Month used to be about like gay pride, you know, recognize gay. It's not that it's it's now being used to press all types of these other inherently political things and that's why it, it had it the government ruins everything i was that's not really my thing yeah. to begin with but it's even it's ruined this right so yes it has. Uh, for the people that what it was originally for i think a lot of like old school gay people are like this is ridiculous right so well, uh, it was originally th- for the stonewall riots right it was a march in honor of the stonewall riots to be honest i've never given a shit about pride but i do think that it's interesting that the i hear more about pride right now from conservatives than i do from gay people and i live in boston and i know a lot of gay people and i'm bisexual so i'm just like i like i find that a little ridiculous like i don't think about pride often but i think I'm, i've thought about pride more this month than i've ever thought about pride in my entire life because, because they want they want us all <laughs> thinking about it they, because well, it's, it's, it, it's everybody hating each other over exactly it distracted so, from the real things like ukraine and the federal reserve yeah i mean i do think that the culture war is a distraction personally um i do understand what you're saying though like to a degree like i can when I it comes yeah, I, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, go ahead, Brandy. You have more. Well, I was going to say that, like, yes, when it comes to, like, transing children, I agree. 
Absolutely not. But I also think that there's a little bit of this issue that we have where something goes viral on Twitter and everyone acts like this is like happening like all over the fucking world. I do think that like in pockets there is this happening and it is bad, but I don't think that it is as like prevalent as everyone is making it seem i also think it's interesting that in european countries they already like nixed gender affirming care like they didn't need to create this big political fucking shenanigans about it like they they were just like this is harming kids we shouldn't do it anymore done like no argument we but here because this is a political issue i think democrats and republicans are gonna fucking fucking beat this issue like a dead horse all the way up until the election because they need it you know, like we could, if everyone could just be an honest, we could just be like, yeah, kids shouldn't transition. Done. Woo. Right. Yep. But they're turning it into a, everyone is turning it into a political football. But, but they, I don't think it is a football. Like, I think, I think that it really does matter what happens to these kids. And when, when you have curriculum in public school, which is obviously a, you know, I'm being robbed to fund that shit. Like it matters. It, it absolutely oh, yeah. matters that, that these kids are, are being taught, you know, uh, gender non-conforming sort of worldviews when they're too young to to possibly process it i think it's very damaging to them and and for that reason alone i would i would already be involved but let me add the real reason i'm involved and the real reason that i find this to be very disturbing is because of esg and because of diversity equity and inclusion and because of barack obama's executive order in 2011 that made it so that every federal department including the department of education had to implement dei in their workforce and because of that we are now seeing that you know the reaping the fruit of <laughs> of that terrible decision so this is a state backed issue and that that is the main reason yeah. that i think libertarians should be uh, aware of it and they should not look at this strictly as a culture war issue it, this that's not to say that like it isn't a distraction world war 3 does matter more it does but that doesn't change the fact that there are tens of thousands of children that are suicidal because of you know this this confusing shit that the, that's being pushed on them and it doesn't have to be happening so i think well while it is also being utilized to divide us i think that there's the potential uh, unlikely as it may be that we can actually come together on something for once and say hey this isn't about hating gay or trans people this is about loving our children and we need to stop that was a big lightning blast. God is unhappy. Um, <laughs> that, uh, we need to stop with any sort of uh, education that that confuses kids and puts them on a path to, uh, you know, self harm, and and that's what's happening. And it's not I totally small. Totally agree with that. Know? I don't think that that's what I'm seeing, but maybe like that's what I'm seeing from people talking about this. But so I no, agree I know. With I, I talk about it from. Said. I talk about it from a totally different. Angle, <laughs> the, the, most of the people you see are are conservatives that are talking about this you know like i'm a finance guy and a libertarian so i have just a, a different angle on it but the reason i'm like i see the conservatives as my ally right now to some extent is because i do think that this is is something that needs to be fought because it is ultimately a blackrock sponsored enterprise that is being supported by the central banks as well as the united nations i mean there's no reason for these you know, supranational organizations to be dictating policy that trickles down all the way into grade school when it comes to sexual progressive ideology. It's crazy, but that's really what's happening. So um, I, for that reason alone, I think libertarians ought to be, you know, engaged on this and not and not dismissing it as like pure culture war because this right. isn't just... Do you just... know any kids personally that have... Because I have a lot of friends with kids and I've asked them, like, because they're like, most of my friends are like Democrat or 
um, I would say like neocons. But I've asked them if any of this stuff has come up in their kids' school from like fifth grade, I mean, or to from like kindergarten to fifth grade. And no, none of them, I guess they are all on Maine. Um, and I don't really have any in Boston, so it's probably here. But in Maine, I know that it's not there, at least. Yeah. I'm just wondering if... I think it's primarily blue cities. Um, I mean, yeah, California... Yeah, probably here. I don't know. California, I'd, there was... None of my there, friends here have kids. <laughs> I, knew, I, I know a lot of people that are homeschooling because this curriculum was rolled out in California very aggressively. So, yeah, um, it, yeah I, I don't think this is like a nationwide thing where I'm sure like hard South Alabama or something like it's not happening, but... Um, that doesn't change the fact that there's tens of millions of kids that are, you know, yeah. getting this stuff pushed on them. So I don't know. It's but, uh, it's both it's both overblown and also not nothing. Right. Because it what also I'm comes down to like, yeah, well, this is also why I'm passionate about school choice, and also people need to like fucking actually t- take responsibility for their children. I agree. Like, I agree, I but but most people won't. Here. So it's like which is bullshit. I agree. I agree. I agree. Can but we I'm get just mad saying, about that? I am mad about it. But but at the same time, I have to then I have to deal with yeah. a culture that is melting down around me because yeah. the parents aren't involved and they're not going to homeschool and they're not going to get their kids out of these indoctrination mills. So my only option, my only alternative, is to say, okay, now what political angle can I take on this? And my political angle is to sue BlackRock for breach of fiduciary duty and to try and get any sort of political will to abolish the Department of Education. I think that those two things would actually defeat this. Now, whether or not it's possible, I don't know, but at least that's better than just saying, you know, stop buying Bud Light. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you got to go deeper. So yeah. is there, um, I know uh, uh, Ramaswamy guy is talking some of them about, is he good on this stuff uh, as someone who's maybe into it a little more than, than yeah. I have been. He seems good on it, but like, is there, um, and I guess this is two questions, but you talk about, I, I have heard about people trying to sue um, BlackRock, Vanguard, whatever, for any of this stuff. Is is any of that actually going anywhere or, or what? I, I don't know that there's any lawsuits that have been filed, um, but I do know that there have been many uh, state treasurers and governors yeah. that have instructed, you know, their DAs and things like that to, to look into um, you know, breach of fiduciary duty. I, I, yeah. And I think that, I think that there's, there's meat on that bone. Like if, if you get someone who's, uh, smart and understands this stuff and it's pretty complicated, I spent two years reading about it to really wrap my head around it. Um, it's going to be hard, but it's not impossible. And I think it has to happen because I, I don't, I honestly, I think that like there is a real argument too, that this is a, um, you know, a failure to separate church and state. Like this is really pu- pushing a state religion on children. And that's my read of it. I, a lot of yeah. people will disagree with me. That's fine. But I honestly think that like when you have some of these like blue haired teachers that are telling their kids, oh, we're not going to go by he or she. And like, these people are really religious zealots and they have no business teaching. And I, that's my take on it. Yeah. And, and even you, you mentioned like, it, you know, in, Alabama, you know, like even in, I, I would think that even in very rural or suburban uh, districts in in conservative states, there's there's always like that one teacher, right? Like we always, I, you know, there was always that one teacher when I was a kid that you could tell was like way far farther out than oh, yeah. than the other one. So it's everywhere, and it is again, it, it's not the fact that it's there; it's the fact that it is. Uh, it's a view held by people who have power over children because, yes. by virtue of the fact that they have them in a prison like environment for, you know, 
uh, seven hours, se- a day. seven, eight hours a day for two thirds of the year or whatever. Yeah. And of well, course it, it's going to have an effect. So, and yeah. So I agree with everything that you've said on like what the issue is and all of that stuff. But I think that my problem is that I feel like the conservative messaging is getting like, maybe like uh certain, because this, this, what you're saying should be something that everyone should care about, right? Everyone should care about this. This shouldn't be just like, oh, only libertarians care about this. It should right. be like, oh, everyone should. But the I messaging agree. that a lot of people are saying is making certain people opt out and being like, oh, well, these are just homophobes. Oh, these are just people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And so it's harming the initial message, in my opinion. I know, I, but what, I, what can I do about people those people? Ca- no, not, not you. I'm just, <laughs> this is just my critique of the internet as a whole and how people, sure, sure. how how conservatives and even like, I guess, libertarian conservatives and people act about this because I think that that is, people need to approach this with like nuance and, you know, get people to think about it without like making it. Putting them be, on the defensive. Yeah, putting people on the defensive and masking yeah. it with like your biases. Like, like I don't care what you think about gay people. It's beyond that, you know. Right. Like, like this well, is bigger I mean, than what you think about and the, and this the, shit. And the truth is, like, most conservatives are fine with gay people. Like, most, not all, but most are. And and that's progress. I think that's a yeah. good thing. No, I agree. So, so like, it's sad that it's now reverting to some extent, but yeah. it's very natural because the conservatives are largely. Um, you know reactionaries like that's what they do they kind of just they chill and then they react (laughs) like that's that's kind of their mo so i'm not at all surprised but this is at the same time i'm sympathetic to them because they they have many of them just kind of like woke up to this phenomenon and they're like my kid is now telling me that they want to transition and i i blame you know the, the school teacher or whatever well i'm sorry um, in my mind i still think you got to blame yourself a little bit but that's just yeah. because i think you have to take some personal responsibility I, of course there. but but <laughs> these people are really trusting like they trust yeah. the public school system they're idiots to well, do that's so but problem they, number one yeah, but they do and they did and it's like and they yeah. feel as if they were you know betrayed so uh, you want to you were just talking about being sympathetic so we don't come out come across as homophobic when talking about yeah. this well you, you need to be sympathetic towards their plight too yeah. and not just point a finger well, and say you should have been a better on, parent no i thought we we're all conservative even conservatives were on the school choice board like understood the concept of like we need to not trust the public Some of school them. system i thought that that was like yeah like, i thought I, even republicans were probably on half page. of them probably half of them are <laughs> but but half of them aren't you know half yeah. of them are still like I want my social security and I want my Medicare and I want my public school. (laughs) A lot of of conservatives are not really close to us. So um, I just do think it's interesting that Europe dealt with this issue in a way like smoother way. And it doesn't seem to be coming, becoming a, like what you're saying, like a, like a state religion there. Like it seems like they got rid of gender affirming care and like no one's bitching about it. Like it's just, that's what's weird. I don't even know. Do do we actually know that? I mean, from what I've heard. We just don't pay attention to them. (laughs) Well, from what I've heard, it's not the same. It's not of the same level as it is here. Like doctors are agreeing. You know, we have medical professionals in the U.S. that are fighting against like this. You know, so that's the problem is there. Everyone kind of like said, yes, this is well, that, that's we that's all, all the more reason that I think that it's important that we we don't avoid talking about this, because if you have the medical establishment, which just led us astray for three straight years when it came to covid protocols and the medicine that they were prescribing or forcing on us, um, like I don't trust these doctors. And I think that they are absolutely wrong to be mutilating children. I mean, oh, yeah, I some agree. of them are. And, and, and I, I know you, I know you agree. I'm just saying like 
the problem here is more deep rooted than it appears to have been in Europe because Europe, the medical establishment was able to review and look at studies and they concluded, as you've described, that this was ultimately deleterious to the, you know, the health of children. So they stopped. We don't have that here. It, you, you can see the leftist activists that are, that are putting out pieces all the time saying, all 90% of doctors agree, you know, like we have to do this. This is the only way that these kids stay alive. It's like, we're, we're up against it. We're dealing with a, a completely compromised medical establishment as well as academia. So, and what's weird is the countries that are doing it there are all like progressive. They're considered like I think it's like the Netherlands. They are and progressive, yeah. Like Sweden and or Switzerland. I can't even remember all of them. But well, the, Finland, they're all like very progressive countries, and they're all saying yeah, no to gender affirming care. So yep. it's weird that. That's what's weird to me. Because that's we're why I feel like this is a brandy. No, I know, but that's why it feels like this is a political football. That they are doing this for a political reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, they. I mean, it's it's both political, but it's also like deeply embedded ideologically in academia in the West. And mm. almost all of the teachers that come out of academia come away with the same worldview. And yeah. almost all of the the doctors that come out of academia come away with the same worldview. It's very sinister and it's yeah. deep. It's and it's been decades in the running, so it's like I so just think that we all. Does academia and European countries? I wonder, do they not have the same problem? They I guess must. not. There, well, yeah. This is actually I, I, I've been thinking about this some too, and I don't know. I've read there's a book called The End of Gender by Deborah So, which is really good, and and I've heard some other people talk about how I'm going to pee my pants. I'll be right back. Yeah, how Europe seems to be a little better on, on things, and I and I don't know why I, I think we need to look into that and talk about it in a future thing because it is weird that uh, I, I think there is a a political reason for this i, I think there really yeah is. i i think that there's a reason why they want this to be so like in our contra like cultural consciousness like I, and i guess that's why i and also seeing people become so I, i've been seeing a lot of people kind of you know, become somewhat homophobic and like open about it because of all of this. Like, and to be completely honest, like being trans has nothing to do with being gay. <laughs> like, completely unrelated in my opinion. But, right. um, I, and I don't know. I just think that there's this quote by Juiced Merslu. I can't remember what his name is. He wrote the book called um, Rape of the Mind. Have you ever heard of that? brave of the mind no rape of the mind oh that's and a he had entirely quote. different word than brave. <laughs> yeah but he had this uh quote talking about how like every every social group has their leading pavlovian bell and like in my mind i look at that as how um leftists it's like racism bigotry things like that like those are the things that get them triggered and on the right it's anything to do with children which are, it's like these are all noble causes you know but it these are the things that like that that can be used against us in a, in a way. Well, and uh, the thing about conservatives and as again, as someone who kind of came out of that uh, and then kind of dipped his toe back in and then got back out is the conservatives are, you know, literally reactionary. They react to things. And, you know, Michael Malice said it best that 
conservatives or progressives driving the speed limit. So they're heading in the same direction. They're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you know, the, the whole, the, the don't say gay bill, which was like, oh, we can't talk about trans stuff until fourth grade. And like, that's the, that's the regressive, you know, Ron DeSantis thing. It's like ridiculous that this thing, this, this is even talked about in schools anyway, but conservatives do not and never have in this country had a firm ideological sort of North star. It's just this vague thing of, Oh, the founders, this, um, you know, American values that it's very vague. It's rooted in the past and it always kind of, it, it just drifts. Right. And so in 2023, what conservatives believe now as to when I was in high school, like it's, it's ridiculous. Like the, the you know, what they, cause they, they're always like, well, we're not going to go quite that far that soon. So they, they really have no core ideological belief. Whereas Foundation. Liber- Whereas libertarians, so progressives have a, they know what they want society to look like. Libertarians, I think, are the opposite. We're the anti-ideologues. We don't have a um, particular, hey, I want society to look like this. It's just like we don't want violence being used to make people do things, and we're content to let things develop um, uh, on their own after that. Whereas progressives are, are marching toward a specific goal, and then in mm. the middle, you have conservatives who are just like, yeah, that looks scary. Let's not go there that quick. But they don't have a cogent response other than not that much, not that soon. Yeah, and, I don't, they, I don't they, think the progressives actually have a, a destination, though. I think that's what makes the ideology so dangerous is that it is ever evolving, too, just like the conservatives are. I mean, they're they're always evolving, but just, you know, 10 years behind the progressives. The progressives are always evolving, uh, you know basically just tear down whatever exists and build a new whether or not what exists is good or bad it still must be torn down because it's rooted in racism and white supremacy and whatever the fuck so um i I think regardless like this is why it's so incumbent upon the libertarian community to to lead the way on all of these fights because they actually we actually have principles by which we can help direct these things and it's tragic that libertarians have not been in the catbird seat or had any sort of leadership or even an audience by which we could try and put our thumb on the scale and say no you idiots we don't do that (laughs) you know um and that's what you know myself and tom and dave and everybody else that's in this movement is trying to do is trying to have a voice that's loud enough that we can actually help you know course correct and and put us on a trajectory towards something uh, at least a semblance yeah. of what we believe in because if we don't get involved in any of this i think that then we end up with just status solutions that are yeah. hell and create um you know blowback or consequences that are unforeseen so i really think that it's it's a huge mistake for the libertarians to just be like oh, i hate the culture war i'm not going to engage i just i really do and, and i think as misesians like the fact that central banking is really the key to all of this right to i always said that it is what the, the greatest uh uh trick uh the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist that's from uh, uh the usual suspects mine is well the devil's second greatest trick is central banking you know it, it's like it, it really does ruin everything and it and it enables everything it and does. all of this stuff you know we talked about the esg stuff it's only possible in a world where, where it's central banking with central banking funny money and you have to be you have to have it in good with the people who are closest to this, the money faucet and uh, you have to be good to them. Uh, 
you can we have companies now who are destroying their brand um ticking off customers uh not really caring what consumers think or at least half the consumers they're willing to do that and take the hit now knowing that that when times get tough and they're going to need again they need money from the people who have the money and the people who have the money have put down the the rules that it's ESG and DIE and if you don't do that it doesn't matter what your you yep. know your brand uh, looks like in consumers' minds if you don't have if you can't access money. And, and so, what's, ha- what's happening in public school is social emotional learning, which is basically just uh, academia's version of diversity, equity, inclusion. So it's I mean this is all like decades in the making, and it's and it's yep. all a state sponsored op. Like that's really mm-hmm. what's happening, and and that's the that, I mean if it was just that. You know, as the the left argues that this is just about people feeling more accepted, and that's why we're seeing you know a five or a ten x increase in you know the amount of people that are identifying as trans. It'd be like, okay, you know, that's fine. I don't care if that's the case, but that's yep. not what this is, and and yep. that's the whole reason that I'm you know so activated about it. Yeah, yeah, hating the state. That's um, that was Murray Rothbard's question. Do you hate the state? And so we have to go into everything with yes, that. Yes, Murray, and I do. Man, Murray yeah. was great. <laughs> I, I wonder Based. if anybody's working on a, an AI Murray Rothbard, right? Um, oh, God. That would be great. Well, we probably better wrap it up. Um, but yeah, Clint, it's been a pleasure. It was great. Uh, we had a little talk about the ESG stuff at the at the Nashville um, thing. I'll put this up on the show notes page. Um when I get it up, hopefully tomorrow, um, decentralized revolution, uh, dot com slash one ten. Um, any, anything else? Uh, just, I mean, people know where to find you. You got anything big coming up, Clint or, uh, well, Vivek says he's going to come on the show, uh, Ramaswamy. Really? So yeah, I, I don't know when it'll happen. Cause he's like doing a, you know, media blitz. He's running for president for God's sake. So like, it's going to be really hard to, to schedule, but I think it will happen eventually. Um, the bigger news that, you know, for those that aren't really hyper familiar with me and staying on top of everything, uh, I will be moving to Virginia in July to, you know, sign on and, and do uh, Timcast IRL, um, you know, probably twice a week. Uh, also looking to host uh, Poker with the Boys, which is this poker show, which will be incredible because I'll get to play poker with, you know, some of the biggest political pundits and I'll be the host. So that'll be amazing. Um, and a bunch of other things that I'm doing with Tim. Uh, so it's, it's a, a big change for me. Um, and I really, I couldn't have done it without this community. So I just wanted to, you know, say thank you to you guys. Um, and, and I hope that you'll continue to, to follow me as I try and spread our message as best I can. I, I really, I care about this more than I can put into words. So the fact yeah, that yeah, I get yeah. to do it professionally is incredible. Send your people our way. And I sent out an email today to all the 20,000 people on the Mises caucus list saying, Hey, we got a big guest tonight, so hopefully uh, uh, people will uh, cross-promotion. That's what it's all about. But I really appreciate all the work you've done. It's been a pleasure to get to know you here over the last couple of months. So, Absolutely, man. Um, and good to meet you, Brandy. It's first nice for us. So, too. <laughs> yeah, Keep crushing uh, on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Brandy, tell people. Yeah, it's right there, right? Oh, that's your Twitter. Uh, Creatrix. Creatrix underscore. That's how you find me on Twitch. Okay. I stream video games and vibe. Okay. <laughs> all right, yeah, we'll be back uh, next Monday, 7.30 Eastern, and uh, we'll see you all later. Thanks. Bye. Peace.
hugs and kisses. <laughs>